Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks of the world who are embracing freedom and discovering purpose. Need a surge of inspiration? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited, joy-seeking entrepreneur who is on a mission to find like-minded, open-hearted freebirds to share their stories of triumph, struggle, and inspiration. Until you're ready for your own adventure, let's clock out and live vicariously through others who have blazed the trail. Welcome to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today I'm excited as always because we have Rob Kessler. He is the inventor and co-founder of the Million Dollar Caller and Go Tireless. And Rob's got sales experience in a number of high dollar industries, including diamonds, real estate, and automotive sales, which provided a unique blend of backgrounds for him. His ability to look at the world through a different set of lenses then most people has led him to be successful in the businesses that he owns. Rob, welcome. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. It is sunshiny up here in Montana. We're starting to get a little bit warm. So with that, my mood gets better. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I left the Midwest, man. That, uh, that seasonal depression is a real thing. Oh, it is so real. And everybody around me, I'm, I just want to hand out vitamin D to people like, like, candy. like, Hey, how are you here? Have a little vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> so where, uh, where are you at right now? I believe you are down South, correct? We are South now. Yeah. We're originally from Wisconsin. My wife and I, uh, not totally on a whim, but kind of on a whim, just sold everything we had within one year and moved to Los Angeles. Uh, so we did the sunshine, sunny sun, sun every day with mountains in the background and palm trees. Uh, so we did that for five and a half years. She became a ridiculous, amazing uh, stunt woman. So she works on film and TV and she uh, she doubles people like uh, Taylor Swift and uh, Jenna Elfman. And she's she's crazy. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's 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 awesome and so uh while she was doing that i was growing million dollar collar and um started go tyless and we started and sold uh, grew and sold a yacht charter business and i mean we just do all kinds of stuff so can't really sit still gosh rob well so <laughs> because of your business the go tyless i'm gonna have to convert my podcast to youtube as well so people can see your collar. It is looking fresh. <laughs> Tell me all about Go Tylus. Yeah, I mean, look, I got married uh, on the beach in Jamaica. My shirt looked awful. It was a brand new, freshly pressed uh, Express 1MX, which is the number one dress, uh, selling dress shirt in America. And um, so I went out on the beach. You know, it's humid. My toes are in the sand. No tie. It's like a nice chill wedding. And before I could even say I do, and you can see this picture over my shoulder, but that's an actual photo from my actual wedding day before I even said I do. And my shirt was just this crumbled sloppy mess. So I came home from Jamaica and I just did a bunch of internet searching. Like what can, you know, how do you reinforce this front part? So the part to me that was the problem is the, is called the placket. It's the part with the buttons and the holes. And so uh, there was nothing out there on the market that fixed that and reinforced that. You know, all this weight in the collar is just working against gravity and there's just, not enough interfacing, not enough uh, material that you can put in there. So I took the idea of a collar stay. I made it nine inches long and I shoved it down the front of the shirt, showed my new bride and she goes, oh my God, I finally get what you've been like complaining about all these years. Cause I really like the symmetry of, you know, it, the shirt looking good. I mean, if you're going to put on a dress shirt it's because you want to look good, 
not, you know, a sloppy mess on the biggest day of my life. So I took three years to play with uh, every plastic on the market and designs and materials. And uh, I ended up patenting and coming out with million dollar collar, which is kind of an aftermarket uh, option. So you could take any dress shirt you already own, buy a million dollar collar, have it sewn in. Once it's in, it lasts the life of the shirt. So that's incredible. Uh, we sold a half a million units to people in 130 countries in the last six years. And that's the hard way to do it, which is, you know, extra step of having to go to get it installed. We've been trying to license it the entire time. And all these brands are like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm like, in the meantime, I've sold a half a million units the hard way. So we just said, forget it. Let's just make our own shirt. And we have the only shirt on the market that's actually designed to be worn without a tie with million dollar collar built in. So that's Go Tyless. The only shirt designed to be worn without a tie. Fascinating. I have so many little follow-up questions. First of all, <laughs> when I first read your bio, I thought, okay, so first of all, I'm I'm female, so I don't wear a tie. So probably like your, your new bride at the time, I'm like, I don't get it. But now that I think about it, the one factor that changes the fashion of a men's shirt, even a t-shirt is always, is the collar. Like, you know, the, the crew neck, the, the low cut V-neck style or whatever. And, and that changes drastically how buff <laughs> a guy looks, how like, how like his, his, uh, his jawline looks different, like everything on that. So it's kind of like a good pair of fitting jeans for the guys looking at the ladies rear end. I think <laughs> for, for women, it really does matter. The collar line on a shirt matters and looking at the difference, which I'll post some pictures for listeners so they can see but to see the difference from left to right on your display, it is just completely different. <laughs> oh, I, you know, to me, especially if you're not going to wear a tie, to me, the tie was like a focal point. You know, you could have some pattern or whatever, and that, that's what kind of draw your eye in. Yeah. But without a tie, this front, I mean, it, it's kind of weird, but it looks like you're, you know, you're mounting your head. I mean, it just draws attention right up to your face if it's this nice thing. But if it's, you know, yep. doing this, yep. to me, it just... I got maybe a little bit of OCD and I just I, like, I would iron and iron and iron and she's like all dressed up and ready to go out. And I'm still like screwing around with starch and ironing. And so, you know, I came up with these go title shirts. We've done a couple iterations trying to figure out the right material and the right design. So we actually took the, the express shirt and use that as a base. We have a ridiculously soft bamboo stretch wrinkle resistant fabric. So the fabric is amazing. Million dollar collar built in. We added a convertible cuff. So if you want to wear cufflinks with the shirt, you can just throw cufflinks on. You don't have to have a whole separate shirt for that. Uh, it's the right length to wear uh, tucked or untucked. Uh, and, and with the wrinkle resistance, I mean, I wore this shirt. You could see it. Most people can't. But I wore the shirt the other night to dinner, put it on a hanger after, and I just put it on this morning. I mean, it looks amazing. So I, it's just, you know, it's to me, it's like uh, I want to make it just easy to look good. You know, I just want to throw on a shirt. I don't want to think about it. Uh, we've got the basic colors, white, light blue, and black, and they're 70 bucks. So they're not super expensive. I think they're a really great value. Uh, right now, they're if you buy two, they're 110. So you save $15 a shirt if you buy two. Um, so, but, and they're guaranteed. You know, if you don't love it, send it back. And the only question we'll ask is, why don't you like it? And we'll try to make it better the next time. For feedback, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you, you answered that question. I was going to ask on the cost of each unit, but talk to me about, being an inventor what is because okay little backstory I guess I was just talking to a young lad last week and he is in the process of of creating something that he's trying to bring to market he and he's using all of this terminology and the process to me seems 
daunting, overwhelming. Like I think of great ideas, but I wouldn't even know where to start if I had something I wanted to create. What are the resources? Like what, what does that basic process of inventing look like? Who do you call? Like, I mean, cause I'm in trying to envision you actually cutting out and using this material. And then from there, where do you send that? How do you, but, but that, that can't be how it really works. Like, what does it look like? It, to me, it was just a simple process of, of trial and error. You know, it's okay. So I want a collar stay. I know that they make built-in collar stays. So it's got to be heat resistant enough to handle wash, dry, iron, dry clean. So I started looking up what that material was. And it turns out that they make that material either PVC or HDPE. Um, so, you know, go internet search and try, try to find what I can. And um, I found that it Target sold like flexible uh, cutting boards. And that was an HDPE material. So I actually, my very first thing of Million Dollar Collar, my very first iteration was cardboard. And I knew that wasn't going to be it, but I wanted to see what a little bit of structure did. And so I played with the design of cardboard because it's cheap, it's easy to use, it's easy to manipulate. And so I started with cardboard. Then I started testing plastics. So I would wash it, no problem. Dry is, you know, 135 degrees. Iron's 200 degrees. So I'm like, okay, I need a high heat iron, you know, resistant plastic. The high heat resistant plastics only go to like 250 or 275 degrees. I found out after ruining a hundred shirts and sent, you know, I'd get past the first three steps and I'd send it to the dry cleaner and it would absolutely melt the shirt, totally destroy it. And I found out that dry cleaners flash pressure shirt from like 400 to 450 degrees. So there is no high, high heat plastic on the market that can handle that. So then it went into conversations and I just happened to be talking to a buddy from high school and he goes, Oh, I work with a plastics company. I can introduce you and they're local and they're right here. And so we, you know, to me, I think when you're passionate about something and when you're trying to find and trying to build something and you talk about it passionately, the world is going to kind of, the inner universe is just going to kind of put the right people in front of you. And that's exactly what happened to me. I don't want to say it's luck because I, you know, I talk to a thousand people as much as I can. And this one guy just happened to know somebody and they got me in touch and we ended up developing a material that is high heat resistant, almost double what dry cleaners use. It's soft enough to be sewn through. It's super flexible. It's super lightweight. And yet it's rigid enough to still hold up the weight of the collar. So it's like this, I call it this magic material. I mean, it's crazy that we were able to kind of develop this thing, but you know, one thing led to another and, and that doesn't work. Okay. What can I try? That doesn't work. Okay. What can I try? And that to me, that was the invention process. It's very simple. What I did, there's much more complex things out there, but you know, I do what I did hands on sewing this yourself. I mean, I see a sewing machine in the background. So you're, you don't have anywhere you're sending this off and asking somebody to produce it, for example. I, I did the first few and then it was like, okay, they charged me 15 or $20 to try to sew it in. And then I'd ruin, you know, a dress shirt melting it. So my mom always sewed stuff as I was growing up. She taught me the hardest thing about that is literally how to thread, like follow the, to put the thread in. That's the hardest part. So she showed me how to do that. I can sew the one inch that you need to, to put million dollar collar in. And that is it. Like I've got jeans. I'd like to hem. There's other things I'd like to sew, but I have no confidence to do any of that. It's I could sew just to put million dollar collar. in. Huh. So then, okay. So then after you get the right material put together, so then what does, mass producing look like so once we figured out the material and the design um, i had a die made 
And then it was, so material I have made in sheets. So it comes in like a roll that's 450 yards long. Um, and then this material is made on a roll. And then, so it gets slipped down and die cut into the actual final piece. It looks kind of like a hockey stick. So it's just eight, nine inches long. And it's got a little hook on the end. And that hook is what stops it. You, know, you stop at the button or the buttonhole, depending on where it goes, you know, which side of the shirt it's on. And so once we started die cutting it, then it's packaging and, you know, we just developed all this. It was just like kind of one thing after another. And like I said, it took two and a half, three years to patent and perfect that process. So it's just trial and error. And I wasn't on a timeline. So it was just kind of working my way through the process. And once it got there, then, then we hit the ground running. So then how are you, I mean, cause I'm thinking to myself, there's probably a hundred people listening to this that are thinking, well, I've got, I've got an idea. I can run with it but how am I going to support myself in the meantime? So what were you doing for income while you're taking three years to develop this great idea? So I had um, a screen printing and embroidery business, which uh, I'd started in my basement and I grew that while I was doing, you know, I got married. We, before we got married, right before we got married, we bought a 6,000 square foot building. So I moved that screen printing business out of my basement, which I ran, a hundred thousand shirts out of my basement. You know, I would feed things through the window and like with a little flash press dryer and a tabletop press. I mean, I went bare bones to get that business started. Uh, and I was finally ready to move out. So we bought this building. My wife started a gym. I had my screen printing shop and then we rented out half. So I was doing real estate. I had my real estate license. I had a screen printing and embroidery business. I'm futzing around with million dollar collar and inventing that, helping my wife with her, you know, uh, fitness business. So I just look at things and I just, I, I heard a girl say it the other day, she goes, I just was born with that. I can do that attitude. And, you know, I, since we've moved to Georgia, I've built a, a building. I've put up a fence. I've like built all kinds of stuff. I just, it makes sense in my head. And, you know, somehow I get it from my head to my hands and it doesn't always go smoothly, but I usually get the job done eventually. <laughs> Has that been something a gift that you've had since childhood or is it something you developed later in life tell me about that. no I was uh yeah I was a I was a you know pretty wild little little kid so I break stuff and you know cause a ruckus and instead of getting in trouble I figured out how to fix things and try to get it fixed before you know mom and dad found out what I did so I got I got to tinkering with stuff pretty early so that I'd stay out of trouble at least a little bit yeah yeah that makes that makes total sense so tell me about your path. I mean, were, have you ever been an employee or have you always been a business owner in some capacity? I did. Uh, I, I think the best thing that ever happened to me, I, uh, one of my first jobs, I had some friends, I played soccer very competitively. Uh, I had some friends who worked at a little soccer volleyball store and they got me a job there. And I walked in and the owner day one said, you know, to the 17 year old kid, he goes, here's the key to the store. Here's the code to the alarm. You're part of the team. And he made me feel like it was my business. And I worked there junior and senior year of high school. I worked full time. Once I started college, I would go in the morning, help open the shop, work for a couple hours, go to a class or two, go back to work for a couple hours, go to another couple of classes and then close the store at night. And it just felt like mine from day one. So that really gave me kind of that business sense. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was, I was an employee there. I worked for my dad twice. The second time he fired me. So I knew that uh, after that, I knew that we, <laughs> I really wasn't a good employee. I was always looking for how do we do this better? How do we, you know, how do we improve the process? Uh, 
and I'm very customer centric. I sold cars for a while and it was just like, man, can I make this process easier? Can I make it better, a better experience? And, you know, at 22, 23 years old, nobody really takes you all that serious. So I, I did what I could because I love cars and I like selling, but, um, you know, yeah. but I've been on my own for since I was 23 or four, I think. <laughs> okay. And so what did dad do that you were working for him? It sounds like he must've had his own business too. Dad uh, started a jewelry store with uh, $700 he borrowed from my, my grandpa and turned it into a $35 million, third largest independent jeweler in the country. Um, so it was incredible working for him. I was top salesperson, um, but I was always like, okay, what's next? What's next? Like once I got to being good at sales, I, I needed more. And, you know, he'd always say, okay, you're going to take this over someday. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the next challenge? Cause I'm getting freaking bored sitting here waiting for people to come through the front door. I need to be stimulated. And so, you know, again, I'm, I'm just a knucklehead. So I'd sit around and get bored and get myself in trouble at work. And he's like, dude, you gotta, let's just be a good father, son, and you go do something else. And I had the screen printing business was already going. So I, uh, I just moved back into that full time and then sure. we're still good. So did he give your very hot wife or a, a nice ring? Did you get a deal on it? I'm oh sure yeah. She's, uh, she's drowning in diamonds. I just got her our 10 year anniversary. I got her three eternity bands totaling 10 carats of diamonds. So it's obnoxious, but you know, I, I got the hookup. I met a, a couple the other day. She's like, my dad owns hardware stores and I have a $2,000 faucet. I'm like, I will never have a $2,000 faucet. My wife's got a lot of diamonds because I got the connection there, but I'm not buying $2,000 sinks, uh, faucets for my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, your, your poor wife has to work out every day just to put your arm with all the weight. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's super interesting. So you do have a little bit of an entrepreneur, entrepreneur background from dad, obviously. He had a wildly successful from the ground up type of business and you're following in the same shoes, doing a lot of the same. So what is next for you business-wise? I mean, you're, I know you're still developing Go Tylus, but you have other ideas. Are you going to rock and roll with this for a while? Are you bored? Uh, you know, it's it's been a while. Um, so, you know, I started this in 2013. So we're on 10 years since my anniversary, my wedding day, which is where the concept came from. Been selling for since 2016. So we're in our seventh year of sales. Um, and it's still exciting. It's very frustrating. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear no. Um, and at this point to have sold a half a million units to people that act, literally have to get this product and go find someone to install it for them. And these big brands don't want to license the technology. It's like super crazy. And it just, you know, I keep bashing my head against the wall, but I'm just like a stubborn mule. So I just keep going, but I'm super excited about the shirts because now it is, there's no extra step. There's nobody else who has a shirt like this. And to me, the sky's the limit. I mean, we're, we're working on a few licensing deals for million dollar collar, which is exciting. But I think the, the idea of the shirt, we're calling, kind of calling Go Time is the home of business casual. If you really think about it, nobody's ever really defined it. So you're like, okay, the, this event is business casual. Like, what do I wear? We kind of want to build this site where it's like, if, if you want to wear jeans, like nice fitted, dark, you know, clean, non-torn jeans and a great shirt and a belt and shoot, like we kind of want to have all that eventually. Right now we're starting with three shirts and, you know, we'll see where that, that brand goes, but we've already had to reorder and we've only had stock for uh, less than 90 days. And so we're moving quite quickly. Uh, we've only had a few exchanges and only one or two returns. So 
out of all that inventory, it's been a really, really good feedback. Like we really try to, you know, test with our friends and use those relationships the best we can to make sure we're putting out a really good product. And so we appreciate everybody who supported us to this point. And, and now it's a, uh, it's time to go gangbuster. So yeah. uh, I'd really like to grow it. You know, my goal is a thousand shirts a day and then maybe we'll sell the company at that point. Um, but who knows? Fabulous. So to kind of wrap this out, our, our show is a lot about, you know, purpose in life. I can, I can tell that you've got an extreme passion. You're, you're obviously wanting to serve people in a capacity that gives them something that they can, that can better their lives. That's amazing. Do you, do you do anything else in your life of, you know, that's noteworthy or that you would like to talk about that's uh, on your, on the personal side? Do you have any hobbies, any charities, anything like that? Um, you know, we've done some stuff for charity. I'd like to get to that point. Um, I mean, to be honest, we're, I'm barely paying myself as it is. So to not even have, uh, the, those, you know, a lot of excess cash is, is a challenge to kind of get into that charity work. Um, but it's something important to me. My dad is one of the top donors of Make-A-Wish Foundation in Wisconsin. Um, so I love that side of it. And I, I, the, what he gets out of being part of that is way more than, you know, you can put a dollar amount on. So I love that. And, and it's definitely in my goal and my plans. My wife is a horsey girl. So um, I've spent the last two years since we've been here building a fence and a attack room. And I just started on the stable and, um, you know, I'm learning about horse stuff. So, I mean, I've been around it a little bit, but she's been riding since she was eight. And it's been her dream to wake up in the morning and see a horse roam around the backyard. So I spend most of my free time uh, helping that fantasy come true. <laughs> Oh, you are screwed. Of course, ladies, it never, it never <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I know. They call them for a reason, but <laughs> no, and that's. Perfect. I know she just sent me a property yesterday. Like we've been here two years. She's like, oh, look at this one's got twenty acres. I'm like, we have five. That is plenty. The horse is even here yet. We don't even know if this is going to be a horse at home thing. This is kind of still an experiment. She's like, oh, this one's got twenty acres. Oh, this one's got forty acres. I'm like, geez. Oh, we'll get someday, maybe. You're going to be running a horse uh, sanctuary before. Oh, Christmas. yeah, for sure. There's no question. <laughs> well, that is awesome, Rob. Anything that you want to leave the listeners with in terms of a little a little uh, kick of inspiration for them or a final message? Yeah, I mean, look, if, you, if you're passionate about what you're doing, it doesn't matter how challenging it is. You're, you're going to have the passion. I mean, even with this, there's been plenty of days where I'm sitting on the couch like, what am I doing with my life? And I'm you know, second guessing all of my decisions, but I know that this is, this is a long-term thing. My wife fortunately is very successful as a stunt woman and you know, that, that helps sustain, you know, kind of our lifestyle and it will flip shortly when, when the shirts start really selling. And yeah. so definitely being passionate is going to help push you through those hard times. If you're just chasing the dollar, it's, it's easy to say, okay, well that dollar is, is good. And then we'll go, I mean, we started a yacht charter business kind of on a whim, did $800,000 in sales before we sold the boat and uh, built a pretty incredible little business out of it in Los Angeles. So, but we're passionate about boating. We really love that lifestyle. We'd sold our commercial real estate, needed to put the money somewhere, bought a boat, started this business, sold that. I mean, um, but everything I've done, I've always kind of had this, I've always had a customer centric passion anyways. So I feel like any industry, if you're really good to the customer, you can grow a business. So we're now on, a, I'm on a fourth business that I've grown from zero to a million dollars in revenue. So, um, you know, it's, it's all about making sure the customer is getting the, 
you know, way more than they think they're getting. So absolutely value for the dollar. And I just, yeah. people, people oftentimes are buying the person they're buying the dream. They're buying the belief in the product more so even than the product itself. So you're, you're a walking example of that because you are so passionate about what you're doing. Where can people find you, Rob? I'll, I'll put this in the show notes as well, but where's a good spot to find you either on social or website or both? I, I would go right to gotylist.com, which is, you know, where you can find the shirts. And, um, you know, we're just kind of firing up our social media again. Uh, we actually originally launched in October of 2019. And, and you can guess how that story went. We sold through uh, most of our stuff and then we couldn't get anything remade. So, um, you know, we, we had to re reboot a couple of times and, and now this, the site's clean. The product's amazing. Uh, we do have milliondollarcollar.com as well. And um, yeah, those are those are probably the two best places to uh, to check us out. Hey, that sounds amazing, Rob. Thank you so much for your time and energy. You're an inspiration. I'm excited to go check this out. I'm going to have to order one of these for my very handsome husband and uh, have him looking dapper everywhere he goes. So yes, thank you so much. And guys, I'll have this information in the show notes for you guys to tune in and check out more on Rob. Thanks for listening. For more on this guest, simply check the show notes. Like what you hear? Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Together, we can grow and inspire.